Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think, Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. So that was um, some terribly happy music at the leading us into this episode, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, but something about it doesn't doesn't quite ring true, right? Um, <laughs> nothing's that happy. Um, maybe the right thing to say about it is that there's something sort of inauthentic going on, right? And that's that's what we wanted to talk about this week, right? Being being our authentic selves, um, living inauthentically. So uh, maybe just to, to set this up, there's some sort of phenomenon that um, we've been observing of late, and um, this will give us a, a bit of context. So um, a couple stories. One, um, we've, we've booked a vacation. This, this is the story of our pandemic, by the way. Um, I think we've had four trips canceled, and we've got another one coming up. Um, so this is a, a cruise. And it's it's for next year's, but we yeah we booked it well in advance. We're always when we're booking these thinking, not of traveling during the pandemic, but that the pandemic will be over and yeah. it will be safe to travel. And and if it's not, we'll have that one canceled and we'll extend mm-hmm. it to the, right. the following year. Right. But this is this is a rescheduling of a cruise that we booked the year before the pandemic, thinking we were going on it. Yeah. Okay. So well, one of the things about yeah you know, when you take these cruises is there's excursions. Every port you go into, um, you know, there's lots of things you can do. You can sign up to get on a on-off bus, or you can rent Jeeps, or, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll take you to a zip line if there's one locally. A new phenomenon I'm just noticing um, that, that has appeared this year is everywhere you go, um, one of the excursions is take a selfie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you pay $80 to go to some world-famous selfie spot, right? Yeah. So, for example, in, in Santorini, Greece, there's this um, picture of this house with a blue top, and it overlooks the water, and it's on every tour poster, right? So now yeah. you can you can pay to go there and take your selfie in that that famous spot, right? That's mm-hmm. the, the the most famous photograph of that, and and they have this everywhere you go, right? Mm-hmm. So if you know if there's a most famous look at Venice. You can go there and do your selfie there. Mm-hmm. And and that's what people choose to do with their vacation, right? So, um, and to me, this is just completely, um, you know, antithetical to the idea of going on vacation. If I go to Hawaii, I want to relax. But mm-hmm. if I go, you know, to somewhere, you know, like Venice, I want to see the sights. Yeah, soak in the history and yeah. learn so, about it. Yeah, Right, but apparently there's a whole cottage industry of, well, don't come to this place and, you know, don't, don't go to Paris and see the Louvre, right? Go to Paris and, and... Take a picture of yourself in front of the Louvre. Yeah, or take a picture of yourself in front of, um, you know, from the outside of town. Where you can get the, as many 
yeah. landscape, like tourist attractions into it as you possibly can. Yeah, don't don't enjoy the thing. Just have this sort of iconic, mm-hmm. be in an iconic spot um, as opposed to actually engaging. Yeah. I mean, I guess in response to what you're saying, someone could say, well, it's maybe not as shallow as it appears because you could always take a picture or taking a picture of yourself only takes a second. So you could take a picture of yourself and then proceed to go see the city. But I think in response to that, when it comes to a lot of these iconic selfie spots, they're actually pretty far out from town. Yeah. And so if you do this, if you do this selfie thing, you're like in, in many cases doing it at the expense of actually visiting the places that are in the background. Right. And especially if you're doing it from the cruise, right? Cause you, you know, every excursion, takes two hours or three right. hours and you only have so many hours in port. Yeah. So you, you pick that instead of going to the museum or... And there's the cost you know, issue too, which is restrictive for a lot of people right. you, where you're, you you're paying the, 60 bucks to take the bus out or more. Or more, yeah. yeah more and, often and more. For, you know, for a family of four, it's 250 bucks. To get a but you've got... But there you were. You have the picture uh-huh. in this place, which yeah. brings us to the, the second set of things. I'm going to take this picture and I'm going to post it on Instagram for everyone to see, except for I'm not going to leave my pictures on Instagram. We learned this from our son. <laughs> Nobody, right? Has, That's the youngest set. Right. The youngest set has more than, than one or two pictures up at a time um, at, at most, right? Uh-huh. You, you pop it up there and then you take it down as if it, it didn't happen. Yeah, Henry hasn't had a picture on his Instagram for at least two years. And the picture that he oh, has as his profile picture isn't even a picture of him. It's a it, picture it, of this band he likes. some band he likes, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and not a band that he loves. He just... It's a cool picture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so then the other phenomenon sort of related to that is there's this, this thing where people, when they do post to Instagram and leave stuff there for a while, um, mm-hmm. post pictures of their lives looking magnificent. Mm-hmm. But again, they don't turn out to be actual pictures of their lives, right? Um, mm-hmm. They have a photographer come out. They, they stage it so... You know, mm-hmm. oh, here we are at dinner doing Lady and the Tramp. And, you know, mm-hmm. and they've each got a piece of spaghetti in their mouth. But they stood there for 20 minutes smiling. They didn't just happen to wind up, um, you know, eating the same bite and of spaghetti. And someone just that... captured the perfect image. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Just, qu- you know, like casual. It's So it's this this presentation of, of happy, wonderful lives that are completely staged, right? Mm-hmm. That there's, there's nothing authentic about their life. Even if the, the people have great mm-hmm. lives. That's not what they're getting in the, the pictures. It's this mm-hmm. projection of something, of, of things that didn't happen, right? Um, yeah. You know, well, look, we spontaneously, um, you know, hopped on a freight train, uh, <laughs> rode down the track, except for the freight trains, you know, in an abandoned, um, you know, train yard, and it's not moving, and you're mm-hmm. hanging off the edge like the wind's blowing you out the door. And, yeah. Um, and, and so... I, you know, if, if we're just talking about somebody taking a photo and, oh, look, let's pretend like we're, we're hopping a freight train, um, that's great. But in some cases, it seems like the entirety of what um, lots of people are posting are just those kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. Where you may never see um, something more authentic. And so in contrast, not that we're, we're attempting to virtue signal, um, but if you go to, um, you know, our social media uh, by the way, I'm, I'm never on Instagram or Twitter, so it's, you got to be old as Facebook. And you see pictures, it'll be pictures of the actual vacation. Oh, there's Henry 
swimming in the ocean, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, here we are buying another ukulele, <laughs> you know, doing the things that, that we do when we're, we're on vacation. So this is an awful long setup, but I was just thinking all this kind of stuff is just ripe for philosophical analysis, yeah. right? I mean, what what's the right thing to say about this sort of projection um, of, of, you know, of, of an inauthentic life? And especially, you know, going back to the first example, when it comes at the expense of having an authentic experience. Yeah, and I think you can think about... Um the the harms to the poster um but you i think you also have to think about the harms to the viewer um mm-hmm. you know so i i i'm i'm always talking to my students about i maybe even mentioned it on the podcast before but i'm always talking to my students about like how how does social media make you feel because i kind of i feel like i'm now there's lots of people on Instagram of all sorts of ages, but for for me personally, I kind of feel like I'm ki- kind of too old for Instagram, uh-huh. the way it's used now. Like yeah, I yeah. use Instagram for, I use Instagram as a photo album of things that are happening in my life. I I do not. There's this phenomenon of like that a lot of people that are younger than me have, especially women that are younger than me. Of like you go to their Instagram and it is one zillion pictures of them. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 like they they went to a modeling shoot when really actually, I guess in many cases, they hired a photographer to take a to take pictures on numerous dates at numerous locations. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's not just like these aren't just selfies. These are people paid photographers to take pictures of them. Yeah. You know, Social so, media is their own personal runway. And somebody yeah, yeah, said yeah. a few years back. Yeah. So, um, so I don't you know. I'm not just trying to trash young people here. I don't want it to come across like that. But um, back in our day. <laughs> get off my lawn. No, I, I, I think it's, I, I, I ask my students, and in, in particular, I'm thinking about my female students. How does this make you feel? Because these pictures are taken, in many cases, they're Photoshopped. I have, I've had friends, you know, that have confessed on Facebook that they Photoshop all the pictures of themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they're taken in just so lighting, but they're like, it's it, it, the message that's intended to be conveyed is that this is just what my ordinary life is, but no, like candid, I can't think of the expression for just a picture that's taken in the spur of the moment, but um, no spur of the moment photograph ever looks like that. Mm-hmm. You know, these are, you know, I remember from getting headshots done back when I was in, in the acting game, was, you know, you'd have a zillion pictures taken by a photographer and you'd pick the one or two that turned out the way you wanted them to. Yeah, and that's yeah. what's going on here too. Right, right. Um, so it's, it's, I guess I just wanted, my point is that it's a lot of pressure for young people and they'll report that it's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. That they think, they feel more of an expectation to be perfect. They feel more of an expectation. They have, uh, you know, maybe established unrealistic body standards. Yeah, um, yeah. Unrealistic. Right. There's the whole shopping thing that goes on. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to put this up until I shape my face a little differently. Yeah. And... Unrealistic. Uh, here's one that I think is huge. Unrealistic views about how, how financially successful you should be in your 20s. Mm-hmm. Right. So here's a picture so of me. Project great wealth. Yeah. Here's a picture of me with, uh, you know, at a house that isn't mine, but nobody knows that it isn't mine. And here's a picture of me, you know, g- doing this 
amazing vacation that how in the world could I afford it? You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, so it's projecting things to young people that they might feel like they have to achieve, but there's no chance that they can achieve at their young age. And so they feel like failures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been thinking about Camus a lot this, this week, sort of in relation to this, just preparing for mm-hmm. the topic. Um, and so I'm, I'm now imagining Sisyphus, right? Uh-huh. And he's pushing yeah. the rock up and he gets to the, the top and it rolls down and he uh-huh. does it again and again and again uh-huh. for eternity. Uh-huh. Um, but he's, um, he's a millennial or younger. And so he, he says, give me a second here. Gets on top of the mountain, sits on the rock, you know, strikes <laughs> a post, takes a picture, posts that on Instagram <laughs> and says... I bet you can imagine me happy now, right? <laughs> and then it rolls back down, and then he right, but the camera's off, right? <laughs> to post it to another. But, but for eternity, everything. Wow, look at Sisyphus. He, he got, was at the top of the hill always. Got the rock at the top of the mountain. Like he just just sat there. I like it. It's a dog's I, life. So so I'll I'll play devil's advocate with us a little bit here. Like you can't, you know, it's not like um, people like people don't want to post memories of. So, for example, when I, well, I wouldn't post pictures of what I look like most days quarantined during the pandemic, like a bog queen or whatever. Like, I just climbed out of the swamp. Note to the audience, Rachel's delusional. (laughs) Well, you know, so I'm not, I'm not going to take a picture of me when I don't look my best. I'm not, you know, Dexter, our little dog here who's sitting in my lap as we record this, uh, Dexter got... And grew a huge tumor um, during the pandemic. And uh, we had a little cancer scare with him and thought, you know, oh, we're going to lose Dexter. But, you know, I've got lots of pictures of Dexter here and there on Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm. None of them are with him with this big, huge yeah. thing on his face. It, it, right. It, it was a growth, but it looked like a boil. It was yeah. It's big and, yeah. and bulbous. Yeah. And Not so that, you know. Dexter's fine, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he turned out to be him. okay. And yeah. not that there's anything wrong with having boils, but I just didn't choose to take a picture of Dexter like that. Um, but you, you respected Dexter's basic vanity, right? Um, <laughs> I didn't. I don't take pictures of myself when I'm um, in the un- uneventful mo- moments of my life. You know, I'm more likely to post something of me mm-hmm. doing, you know, on vacation. Yeah. So, so okay, go ahead. Well, I'll, I'll take this apply to both examples in turn. Um, I don't object to the picture on the vacation of the selfie spot, right? That uh-huh. look at the marvelous vacation we went to the most iconic place and there's mm-hmm. you know all of the swiss alps in the background behind me i just think it's kind of sad in that case that that you're opting for that over an actual experience right mm-hmm. so um you know you could you could take your picture in front of the louvre and zip off to the next place or you could actually go in the louvre they've they've, they've got some at least three or four really amazing pieces <laughs> yeah three or in four there, right um but but in the other case when we're talking about just people you know, spending time and energy to, um, you know, post this kind of fake life, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look how, you know, successful I am. Look how I've made it. Um, look how in love we are. We're both laughing as we eat the spaghetti. And mm-hmm. we landed on the same piece and all that. There, um, there's, that's not a, oh, I'm only posting a picture when I want to look my best thing. It's a, I'm, I'm providing a narrative about a life that, that's not real. Um, mm-hmm. And so you have to ask somebody, what is it that you get out of people thinking your life is this way when it when it's not? Right? I mean, it's an act of deception. So it reminds me of a, a former colleague 
and we used to, to go golfing and, and the person routinely cheated at golf, um, you know, on almost every hole. So, you know, the ball going to the water and he'd go over there and say, ha, I got lucky. It landed right here next to the water, you know, and all this. And then at, at the end of the, the thing, he'd say, wow, I shot par, right? Um, and then we, the, you know, other people with him, we just go, hey, that's great. And we'd, we'd pat him on the back. And, but we think, well, what, what do you get out of telling everybody you shot par when you didn't? Right. I mean, what's, you know, so... <laughs> You know, it's I'm I'm not so Kantian that I think oh this act of deception is bad purely for its own sake. Yeah. But I do wonder what it it sort of does to the person who who presents this kind of corrupt version of their reality. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why people want others to view them better than they are. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a thing that I've talked to Rachel about lots of times. It's sort of pet peeve that I have. Um, so I remember early in my career, I, I published something and it, it was a good publication and I, I felt great about it. And I was telling some friends and one friend, um, you know, was very impressed. And I heard him telling, you know, another friend, Hey, Richard got this publication. And then the way he described it, it, it was 10 times more impressive than, than it actually was. Right. So the, the description of the publication was, you know, I made some sort of earth-shattering discovery in epistemology mm-hmm. that set the discipline on its head, right? Mm-hmm. Now, everybody that, that ever works in dis- epistemology again will have to rethink everything in virtue of this. <laughs> and, and my reaction on hearing this is, one, I was, I was flattered that my friend was proud of me mm-hmm. and that he was doing this, this complimentary thing. Um, but at, at the same time, I couldn't help but think, but I didn't do that. Uh-huh. And and the thing I did was good. Yeah, you know? so, yeah, I, right, and right. I'm, I was perfectly happy with the um, the presentation of what I did in in sort of just terms, right? When you mm-hmm. inflate it, it, it's almost as if he was saying, "Well, I didn't think the thing you did was that great, but I do want to brag." Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh-huh. so I'm going to make yeah. it better. Um, my mom, back when she was alive, used to do something similar. Although it, it was, um, she would just change my profession to a better one. Um, so, so, you know, that was my son. Yeah, he's a, he's a doctor. He's a, you know, he's, he's a journalist. Uh, you know, sometimes I was a psychologist. Um, I might have been a physicist on a couple of occasions. And there's some chance she just didn't know what philosophy was. But um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I want, I, I, I love it when people like what I do. Um, you know, sometimes I'll record a song on the ukulele and I'll, I'll put it on Facebook and people will click like and say, hey, that's a nice little arrangement or mm-hmm. this or that. But I only want credit for what the you've things actually that accomplished. are real. Yeah, yeah right. right. Yeah. So it's, it's like the experience machine or something. Mm-hmm. Only it's it's like going into other people's, you know, so that the exper- experience machine thought experiment is, you know, if you could plug into something like the Matrix and but just have better experiences than you do when you do it. And the people that don't want to, at least in my students, their response is, no, I, I want to live authentically. So this is kind of that flipped. Um, instead of going into a machine, you just alter everybody else's experience of you. Yeah. And the, but the, the response should be the same. It's like, oh, no, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want everyone to think, gosh, you're great because everything in your life is perfect, when in fact it's not. I want people to think, oh, okay. Yeah. Your your imperfect life, you're doing pretty good. Right. You know? right. You're not always treading water um, or some such. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I'm thinking about um, Jean-Paul Sartre's account of 
or his discussion of authenticity, really, that um, makes a distinction between just roughly our facticity and our transcendence, and that we ought not to uh, define ourselves too narrowly in terms of one or the other. And so he gives this example, a famous example of a waiter that, you know, he's at a coffee shop in Paris, like he always is. I mean, that's just, isn't that just where he lived? Um, and uh, I went to that place in Paris where you can yeah, get we, coffee on the sidewalk. Oh, yeah. It's great. But we actually went to that, yeah, the real Le place. Le Mejo, yeah, right? yeah. So, uh, that was, he was known to go to. And, so, and Hemingway. They, they would sit there. Oh, and, you know, with Hemingway? I don't know at the same time, but that, that um, was also a place. It's famous for okay. having Hemingway there. Oh, wow. As well as Sartre. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, so he's describing this waiter. We should have taken a picture and then everybody would think we. They would know we with, were there. They, no, that we dined with Hemingway and, and Sartre. Oh, yes. And Simone yes. de Beauvoir. Maybe, maybe we, we'd convince them that we did some groundbreaking philosophy on that very spot. Yeah, that's, that's where I changed epistemology forever. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, so he's describing this waiter. And I think we've all had this experience with a waiter, that a waiter comes up and talks to you. Hello, can I take your order? You know, and, and, and they're not talking in their real voice. It's like, I don't believe that outside of this context, that's what you sound like. Um, but they're, you know, they're, they're playing it up. It's almost like they're a caricature of a waiter, right? Yeah. So this is what Sartre's describing. Yeah, this happens in Utah. Even it's, it's amplified. Yeah. You know, Hi, how you doing? Oh, so glad you're here. Yeah, you know, like, ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, uh, he's saying his analysis of the waiter is that this, this, the waiter is thinking of himself only in terms of his facticity, as if he's nothing more than a waiter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that he could, he could be nothing more than a waiter, that he doesn't have other features, that he doesn't have potentiality, you mm-hmm. know, or potential, I guess. Uh, so, so um, but we can also make the opposite mistake, and I think this is what is frequently going on on Instagram, that we're defining ourselves too much in terms of our transcendence, too mm-hmm. much in terms of what we wish for ourselves, aspire what we hope be. for ourselves, what we aspire to be. And we try to project that rather than what we actually are. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a sort of other element of uh, Sartre's philosophy that also comes up in De Beauvoir, um, which is the role of the other and how you conceive of, of yourself. And I think, I mean, this is just social media across the board, right, is, yeah, yeah. you know, so one of the, one of the main points um, of a bunch of these thinkers that are writing during this time in the existentialist tradition is like the, that we can never, situated in the way that we are in the world with others, we can never escape the gaze of the other. And so we think of ourselves in terms of what other people are thinking of us and mm-hmm. they do the same thing. Um, and, and, Instagram in particular, because it's so concerned with images, that's basically what it is. Um, Maybe that exposes my lack of fundamental familiarity. There's probably all sorts of other things you can do with it, but it's, it's not, it's a place where you can post pictures. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so we're inviting the gaze of the other, right? It's not like this is a picture we're keeping in a, in a, um, a photo book in our living rooms where mm-hmm. our family is going to look at every once in a while to remember our memories. This is something we're saying we're inviting the other to gaze at us. Right, right, right. And then at that point, um, you might be very concerned with what you're going to look like from 
you yeah. know, through the gaze of the I other. I mean, I'll, I'll just be confessional here and say, I've, you know, when I'm, I, I don't think I'm, I'm a person who tends to be super concerned with how people are perceiving um, certain features of my life. Like, I'm not particularly materialistic. And I, you know, I think that there are other more important values in life than what you own or how you look or things like that. But I, I've, I've certainly had the experience where I put up a profile picture and then I kind of, knowing that other people were going to see it, I looked at it a zillion times and then ultimately took it down and replaced it with, an, you know, a picture of an inanimate object or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it I mean social media teaches this lesson in a way that existential philosophy almost never could it it sh- it or you know the play no exit sartre's no exit is supposed to it demonstrates oh that hell is other people because these people go to hell and they're trapped by each other's conceptions of them right yeah, yeah. but social media allows that to like you do it to yourself <laughs> because you're projecting your your or your you're imagining what the other's gaze must be. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah, and it, it's, um, it keeps you from being authentic. Yeah, I'm guessing of, of the, the two, right, um, this sort of facticity, transcendent balance problem, mm-hmm. and the gaze of the other, um, they both play a role in what we're talking about, but the second one's way more important, right? Or, they, I, not more important, it's, it's a, um, plays a much greater the, causal the role. Yeah, yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the thing that's going to make the people yeah. do the lady in the tramp photo because, gosh, if the whole world doesn't know that we're so in love, yeah. um, I won't be able to stand it, right? right. Where it's not like... Um, and in fact, they, they, you know, the people that we have in mind that do this sort of thing seem like they have very good relationships and they are mm-hmm. quite in love. So it's mm-hmm. not like I'm living this life that's not the life that I'm living. It's just I'm going to go out of my way to project this amplified version of that mm-hmm. because of the, the gaze of the other. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a bad thing. Um, advice to kids, don't worry so much about what other people think about you. Well, don't you feel that that but, is... But that's a, tough to do. That's yeah. a lesson you just keep learning the rest of your life. I mean... Yeah, as life beats the hell out of you. Yeah. It's a series of, okay, well, if I just don't worry about what people think yeah you know and, and you get very used to that uh but I, i've said this before um that you know i consider like you know i look back on my life and think of you know regrets um i don't, I don't want to sound like um frank sinatra or Sid vicious but i've had a few um <laughs> anyway i won't go there uh but one thing that that i kind of regret about the earlier parts of my life is i spent an ungodly amount of um, time and energy worrying about what other people thought of me or how they reacted to things that I did. Mm. And, and yeah, and it, it was a hard lesson to learn, but you know, as I've, as I've aged and learned it, um, I worry a lot less about that. And not such that I don't care what other people think. So I'm going to be rude mm. to them or this or that, but rather I don't worry about whether people view me as successful or, you know, um, mm. and then I just try to have real relationships with the, the, the people that I know and love. So I found that, you know, I've, I've, I feel similarly. I found that um, over the course of the pandemic, the pandemic kind of, the gravity of the pandemic 
and just what was going on with everyone. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people that they were experiencing grief or they're experiencing depression or loneliness. Um, you know, and, and there were such big things going on. Um, it made me realize that it doesn't like things that I used to care about, like how I looked when I went out, I just stopped caring about, not to say that I'm not going to make sure I look presentable at work or something like that, but I don't care anymore. Whether if I go to the grocery store, people are like, Oh, that's a nice looking person. Like who cares? Like yeah. there are so many more important things than yeah, yeah. how people perceive your physical appearance. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. And th that's different from saying going to the grocery store, looking very, um, slovenly or something where mm -hmm. you don't want people to think oh that's sort of a disgusting person yeah they don't bathe right we, we bathe we brush our teeth <laughs> um but yeah there's a combination Richard doesn't want you to get the wrong idea yeah. about our pandemic right but there's a combination <laughs> of of sweats and pajamas and now gym shorts yeah that yeah, you know, are acceptable are, attire well and are the only things that <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I went to to work this week um we we had some things going on i had to go in um three days and all three days I had to wear a, a button down and a mm -hmm. sport coat and slacks and proper shoes. And um, it, it felt wrong. It, it, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> on, I've just basically on, been in yoga pants 24-7. On every level, I think this is, you know, I guess I realized um, during the pandemic that I'm, I'm a nudist. Or no, <laughs> not a nudist. I'm a, I'm a sweatist. I like, <laughs> I like to wear the sweat. So comfy clothes. Yeah, I'm not, and this isn't to, to be critical of people who you know, like fashion and, and, and enjoy that kind of thing. It's just, you know, um, how front and center do we want to make those sorts of things on our social media? Now, I got another counter to us, which is to say something like coming from, let's, let's say someone were to, to um, describe their sort of behavior as, look, I'm, I view myself as making art. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not my my goal on my Instagram page is not to project an authentic picture of my day to day life, but rather it's to tell the prettiest version of my story. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, because I like how certain images look and it's not I'm not trying to make myself look different from who I am. I just Instagram's my canvas and this is my painting. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. OK, so that that one's um, for me very easy to respond to. I'm perfectly fine with that, right? Yeah. I don't believe that's the intentions of any of the instances I've, I've ever seen. But if, uh -huh. you know, um, this is a good point that, you know, it's always sort of good to, you know, get more information about people's motivations yeah, and all that. Yeah, just be judgy. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, but there's room for judgment. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the people that we have in mind, um, we, you know, they listen to this podcast and they call me and say, hey, we think you're, you're talking about us and we're just making art. Um, then my, my assessment goes, oh, okay, that's, that's different. It's not what mm -hmm. I thought what was, was going mm -hmm. on, mm -hmm. but room for judgment. Boy, you're a really shitty artist. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's like the, the worst art project I can imagine. So like, I'm a performance artist. What do you do? Oh, I just try to trick people into thinking my husband and I are more in love than we seem. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I want people to think that, that I'm a little wealthier than I am. It's like, okay, yeah, that's, you know, I, I salute that. Um, yeah, there's also this concern, too, about making certain sorts of choices in your life because they're the most attractive Instagram choices, Yeah, right? Yeah. Who you marry, where you live, mm -hmm. what, you know, what kinds of vacations you're going to go on and whatnot. 
Yeah, um, there's a number of people in our neighborhood um, that that have what appear to be show pets, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and, yeah. Um, you know, I, I post on Instagram, and here's me and my cat, and and this is a blah blah blah. I don't even know the names of cats. It, um, yeah. And by the way, it only cost eight thousand dollars. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. so d- depending. Um, okay, so. What's the payoff of all this? Um, I, I would like to think, because we've, we've been through this sort of pandemic, um, that we have an opportunity to come out of it better, right? I mean, this, mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm always a little nervous when I talk about, you know, historical events because I get my history from, um, you know, certain kinds of books and, mm-hmm. you know, and who knows how accurate things are. But I, I at least have this belief that, um, you know, going back, um, you know, more than a hundred years, um, there have been opportunities after really catastrophic events or tragic events or just major events. So after the Civil War and World War One and World War Two, um, that that you know, or even just on a you know, small scale, right? Immediately after nine eleven, um, people were were better in this country to one another. Although not to to Muslims, um, mm-hmm, you know, our, mm-hmm. our racist hackles were were horrible. Um, it seems like coming out of a pandemic. Um, we have a real opportunity for everyone to sort of reevaluate their lives. It's almost impossible not to when you've been through something really big. Mm-hmm. And, and I would hope we would be um, a less divided country and a less shallow country. Uh, but I'm not optimistic. No, I was about <laughs> to say, I don't, I, I'm not buying it, buddy. Well, it, it, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, but it's not over. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is I guess... Um, you know, um, normative and not descriptive. But my, my hope would be that just maybe, you know, we had our 10-year flirtation with social media um, and it and it takes a back seat. And, and Rachel's nodding no, and I, I think she's right about that. But I can give some examples, right? I mean, so there, there was a time in the 70s where kids did nothing but watch TV all day. And you would think that's all kids are ever going to do for forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of um, kids, that was replaced by you know, things like video games or computers, right? I mean, something can come along and and be a game changer. I mean, so, yeah, even social media is the thing that that got a lot of people. You know, um, I'm going to date myself um, to put down their Tetris and, and Minekeeper or whatever. Mine, Minecraft, and that's no, the... no, not Minecraft. Minecraft. Uh, oh, that game on the computer. <laughs> that little waffle thing bombs. where you click the squares <laughs> and the right. bombs blow up. Minesweeper. Minesweeper. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. it. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. So you know. Or snake. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not terribly optimistic here. But you know, it would. It would be nice. I'm just gonna put this out there. If, if you're listening, and you know, you're you're on our cruise and you're looking at the excursions and you can go you know, snorkeling in the, the Mediterranean Sea, um, or go to the famous selfie spot, maybe consider the, the, the snorkeling option. Or the Parthenon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, I don't care how happy you look in your pictures. Next time you go on vacation, take a picture of where you're at on vacation. I would love to see <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. You know, I would like to see your kids frolicking in the water and, That'd make me happy. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's um, my friend Sonny's little boy, Newton, or whatever. But they're having a great Nobody time. Nobody names their kid Newton. I don't have any friends named Sonny. I'm, <laughs> uh, you know, so I don't know. That's, that's the, 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 the preachy payoff of this. 
at least for me, is, you know, it, I'm not happy here going, gosh, there's a lot of inauthenticity going on. Mm-hmm. Even though I do think it's, it's sort of bad, not the worst thing ever either, but bad and, and corrupting. Um, but I'd, I'd like to at least think that, you know, um, there's a good message there. You know, don't be shallow. <laughs> and someone will hear that and go, damn, I'm going to listen to that podcast some more. They told me not to be shallow, and I stopped being shallow. You just changed the world, man. And instantly, if I could just change one person, <laughs> that wouldn't be good enough. If, but if I could change a bunch of people, I don't know. That's, that's, that's where I'll, I'll leave that, I think. Okay, right. What are we liking this week? Well, I'm just wrapping up a book that I'm really enjoying that I think other people who listen to this podcast might enjoy also. Um, It's a book. uh, It's one of these kind of um, Eric Larson style history books um, that looks at the relationship between academics. There's several out there. Um, I think Wittgenstein's Poker is a book like that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Like a kind of... Um, written for lay audiences about philosophers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this and one's called... Very uh, surfacey in that case, but, but a good read. Yeah, the, uh, this one, I don't know, I wouldn't call this one surfacey exactly, mm-hmm. um, because there's, there's a lot of detail about the positions of the various philosophers. Anyway, it's called um, The Infidel and the Professor, and it's, uh, it's about the relationship between... Uh, between David Hume and Adam Smith, who are a bench of, uh, uh, their besties. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's by Dennis Rasmussen. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's just a hoot. I mean, it, it's, it's really interesting to see how they influenced one another. Um, and it's been painted in broad strokes, but, you know, um, for most of our listeners, there's not going to be any real reason for any more than broad strokes. Right, um, right, yeah. And... There are, Even for philosophers, right? If, if you're sure. not working on him or issues. you're not working on Smith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there have just been points. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of detail in correspondence between these two, which is something that I haven't ever had a chance to look at, correspondence between Hume and Smith. Mm-hmm. And at various points, I'm just laughing out loud. Like I'm, a, I'm on, the, on the bike path out for my walk and just read a line that Hume wrote and just crack up. Um, so there, there, there's, I'll, I'll give you one example. I don't think this counts as a spoiler. No, Hume was a hoot, by the way. I mean, he's the guy that made up all those jokes about Descartes goes into a bar and, you know. Anyway, go on. I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, no I'm, but he was a hoot. So, he was a hoot. Um, so Adam Smith, I can't remember where Hume was at the time. Maybe he was in Scotland. Um, but Adam Smith was eager to hear how, um, how, his book, um, The Theory of Moral Sentiments, was being received in the place where Hume pos- currently was. And so Hume is, writes him this long letter, and he does this thing, which was probably fairly novel at the time, where he says, so I'm sure you want to know how your book was received, so I'll get just right to the point. And then, oh, so-and-so is, I, I, I'm sorry, I was, 
I had to step away because so-and-so came into the room and then, you know, offers this long explanation about what was going on with so-and-so and then did that like four times uh-huh. until at the end of the letter, he finally let him know how his book was being received. It's funny. Yeah. Um, this I kept him on pins and needles. How was it being received? Very well. I, I heard that about some of his books. So. <laughs> and he did, even, even then it was like, um, you know, well, my understanding is it's it's being quite well received with... Um, certain audience, you know, it's, it's very tongue in cheek. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, but it also talks about how extremely supportive he was of all his friends writing. Um, and so it was obviously just fun jabbing, but there's lots of stuff like that in the book. And it's, um, I'm listening to it on audible and, um, you know, it's, it, if you listen to it on 1.5, which is how I listen to books, it really is a quick read, very fun. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Um, what else are we liking? Not not much, right? Again, same sort of predicament, but but it's finally over, right? We've mm-hmm. been um, watching the Great British Baking Show, and we we wrapped it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, obsessively, um, well, sort of obsessively, a little bit of it um, every day through all the seasons. But we've been so busy that we work into the evening, and then yeah, we watch an episode, and mm-hmm. then I fall asleep, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, but yeah, that, that ended quite well. And, um, so now we have to find other things to watch. Um, uh, we've been enjoying the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but, um, same assessment as, as last time, yeah. still not as good as, um, WandaVision if, yeah. you know, if the natural comparison. And we're um, watching a documentary right now, but we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Cause it actually pertains or in two weeks, the, two weeks to yeah. the, the topic of, of that episode, um, yeah, um, we're not. We're just watching one documentary. I, I don't want to give anyone a hint. We're not watching seventeen <laughs> documentaries. Well played. Well played. Okay. So okay. yeah, um, but yeah, I'm about to start reading um, the Infidel and the Professor or listening. So I'm going to do the Audible when when Rates is done with it. Uh, we recommend that. And um, Falcon of the Winter Soldier. If you're a Marvel fan, yeah, it's you, fun. You, yeah, you yeah. should enjoy it. Yeah. Okay, right. Well, that's a wrap. Episode 51 is in the can. Um, Thank you for listening. And um, if you're interested in supporting this podcast, please go to our webpage, IThinkTheforeIFan.com. That's all one word. IThinkTheforeIFan.com. Click on the link that says Donate, and you can become a Patreon of this podcast. Anything um, that we get by way of support is greatly appreciated and um, we can promise you that it will only go towards good things. Um, more microphones and ukuleles. Lots of um, ukuleles. <laughs> All right, so glad to have you listening in and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with episode 52. <laughs>